0: Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Joe Biden. We're going to talk a little bit about Ted Lou today. Uh, we hm Ted who? Ted Lou. Ted Lou. Isn't that his name?
1: I don't know. Doesn't sound like a person who's made an impact. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure who he is.
0: <laughs> well, you're right, you're right on that.
1: Mm-hmm. I... I, I we should also uh, talk about mercury uh, real estate agents at trust.com. Yes. That's another topic we should talk about yes. because if you're buying or selling a home, you know you need mercury uh, mm. real estate and real estate agents Why at Trust Well, because people don't even try to even check out who they're picking. They,
0: some person they like ran into at the gym or the coffee shop and and all of a sudden. My favorite is I've got a friend who's got a son who just started. Uh, yeah. No, don't no, don't don't pick that real estate agent. Uh Realestateagentsitrust.com real com. They're going to find the right real estate agent that's going to sell your house for the most amount of money and fast or help you buy a new house in the right neighborhood for the right price. It's com. The fusion
2: of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenbeck program.
0: Last night on TV, we outlined on the chalkboard the connections. The connections uh, between what we told you would happen in the past 10 years ago and what is happening now. We laid it all out, and if the president wants to fix the border, you have to go to the root of the problem. And we're going to begin there in one minute.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
0: Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about Simply Safe. You know, Helms are uh, uh, burglarized all the time. Uh, I told you yesterday, Baltimore has been dubbed the most robbed city in America. Do you know that uh, 80% of the time, If a a burglar comes to the house and they see that you have an alarm system, they just move on to the other house. They just go to somebody else, because I think it's only 20 percent of American homes have an alarm system. Now, maybe you don't have one because they're really expensive, maybe because of the monthly payments that you have to make and you're locked in and yada, yada, yada. I don't know why. But you need an alarm system for your house in today's ever changing world. The best one to get is Simply Safe. And the reason why it's called Simply Safe is because they've made it so easy. They've taken away all of the objections. You know, I don't like the high monthly payments. It's $50 a month. This is $14.99 a month. I don't want somebody coming in my house and upselling. You don't. You just go to simplysavebeck.com, where if you use that special address, simplysavebeck.com, you're going to save 10%, and you're not going to believe the price uh, of the uh, alarm system because it's nothing like the price from everybody else. They've been gouging your eyes out for years if you have an alarm system now, you're actually going to be a little upset on how how badly we've all been ripped off. SimplySafeBack.com, Brand new, best technology out there. Uh, it's all wireless, so you don't have to worry about that. There's no contracts, no strings attached, nothing. All of the objections are gone. Keep your house safe the simple way. SimplySafeBack.com. That's SimplySafeBack.com. So last night on TV, and we're going to try to make this uh, episode available on YouTube sometime uh, during the show today, um, because I want everybody to see it, because you have to understand what's happening. And I would so appreciate uh, if you would alert the people in Congress that you trust, have them send them this episode so they can watch it uh, and and alert them to what's really going on. Last night I was talking about the president. He is he is getting to a point now where he's willing to do whatever it takes to secure the border. But we're looking at the wrong place. We're looking at the border as the problem. That is not the problem. And let me explain. There were two chalkboards that I have done. Uh, when i was at fox and they were both very very important and they still stand the test of time because one of them has just finished being uh true everything that i put on there uh was uh was a prediction and it's all now complete and it's a really important chalkboard so let me go through two of them here's what i said 10 years ago that George Soros was building a shadow government. Now, George Soros, we have done episode after episode after episode. And there's a really good episode by this guy named Mr. Reagan that you should watch. Uh, he has gone and he has updated some of the George Soros stuff. Uh, and it's very, very complete and really, really well done. Just google mr reagan uh, or youtube and and follow him he's really good at laying things out what i said at the time was george soros has this pattern and this is the way he overthrows countries one he forms a shadow government and a shadow government is for the top down bottom up inside out theory that you need enough people at the top in government That are working, coordinating with the grassroots level. When you have those two, you can apply pressure on everybody in the middle, and that's you, the forgotten man. So form a shadow government, then control the airwaves. Then the third step he always takes is to stabilize the state with a crisis. Now, that crisis can be an economic crisis, it can be an already happening crisis that you just exploit. Fourth step, provoke an election crisis. Fifth step, begin protests and accuse fraud. Those are the five steps that George Soros always follows when he's trying to overthrow a country. And I contend he's trying to overthrow the United States of America. He is an open borders guy. This is important for you to understand because when you talk about open borders, what does that mean? People will say open borders. Well, we can all just, uh, you know, go on and be free. Libertarians mean it one way. Open borders that we should be able to work and do whatever we want without the government interference. Okay, that's one way to look at it. But that is not the way George Soros looks at it. George Soros is not a libertarian. George Soros loves big government. So when you hear people talk about open borders, And they like big government, it can be, and in most cases, a sign that they are Marxist Leninists. Because remember, the difference between the Nazis and the commies was uh, not socialism, it was nationalism. Russia and the communists, the Marxist Leninists, wanted to have a socialism on an international scale so workers of the world unite there are no borders it's one world and one world government the national socialists said i don't want to fight for another country if i fight for my country my country will be strong because my workers will fight for the other workers in my country but they're not going to fight for somebody in a far-off distant land so it's not international workers it's national workers so when you hear about no borders it can be a sign that this is a marxist leninist movement all right let's go over whether george soros has done what he uh, said he would do form a shadow government i contend that is the new democratic party i contend that it is all of the radicals that are in there right now in fact Stu, well, why was jesse smollett uh let off or who let him off who let him i mean the yeah. fox you're talking about yeah okay yeah what, what's her name nikki uh, nikki uh, fox her last name is fox i don't remember yeah. her first name uh do you know how she was elected
1: I mean, uh, the, she was brought into as like a kind of a radical opposition to the mm-hmm. to the, to you the know status who funded quo. Her? As, was it uh, George S- Soros. Soros? Yeah, I mean, because okay. this she he has projects and he did this with secretaries of state. Yep, save our He did it with SOS.
0: district attorneys. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. He concentrated on local government mm-hmm. first. He did the national, then local, and all of those people all the way along. And he has formed a government, a shadow government that thinks like he does. And they're radicals. They're mainly Marxists. Okay, so I contend if you look at the new Democratic Party, uh, you'll see that that is that's a shadow government. They are not looking to uh, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. They are looking to overthrow the free market system. Two, control the airwaves. I don't think we even need to address that. But let me, let me just say this. Have you noticed how if you speak out against George Soros, the media goes absolutely apoplectic? You are immediately deemed a anti-Semite. I have nothing. <laughs> I've won the Defender of Israel Award from ZOA, and it was presented by Benjamin Netanyahu. So I, I don't think I'm an anti-Semite. With that being said, because I talked to you about George Soros, I'm an anti-Semite. No, and I don't believe he was a Nazi. I've never condemned him for what he did in World War II. He some people will claim he collaborated. I don't think so. I think he was just doing what he had to do to survive, and I do not blame him for any of that, nor do I condemn him for that. What I question is the fact that he never has dealt with it. He never felt it was a problem at all. I'm sorry, but you can't take land away from your fellow Jews while working with the Nazis and not feel something. I'm not saying that you feel guilt or something, but you have to feel something. He didn't. That disturbs me greatly because it says something about him being able to bury feelings and deep, deep feelings. So control the airwaves. He absolutely uh, has a, a handle on that through the new Democratic Party. Destabilize the state with a crisis. Well, He helped fund Black Lives Matter, Occupy Wall Street. He has uh, funded the riots in Berkeley. I mean, look at what he's done. And he is now funding the caravans. That's really important to remember. So is he destabling the state with a crisis? Yes, little by little. Then uh, provoke an election crisis. We were so close to an election crisis in the last three years or two years. We have been uh, we have been told that this election was stolen, that this election wasn't legit, that this election was hacked by the Russians and Donald Trump was part and parcel of that. They wanted this election crisis so badly that when it it has been proven that Donald Trump did not collude with the uh, the Russians They're disappointed. They want it. They need it to be true. That's critical. They need it to be true. Why? Because of number five. Begin protests. Have the streets start themselves on fire and accuse fraud. Now, look at what's happening. Who gave the Russian dossier? It was the Clinton people. Hmm. Who started Media Matters with George Soros? Oh, that's right. It was the Clintons. Now we're starting to see this big move about the Electoral College. I have not checked into this, but I will bet you that big money is coming from George Soros on that front as well. And when, it, when we talk about accuse fraud and begin protests, do I need to say anything more than the women's march that happened The weekend of inauguration, what were they doing? He wasn't a legitimate president. So George Soros has done what he said he would do. This plays a role into what is happening on our border, and you have to understand it. Now, let me give you one more chalkboard quick. This is the one that I said uh, every day the last year of Fox every day. There was a chalkboard that I said anarchists, Islamists, communists, and socialists would all work together. Last night on the TV show, I pointed out the main problem with this. There were two problems. People said there would never be a caliphate. That was a pipe dream uh, and or some sort of whiskey nightmare. Uh, And they also said Islamist and socialists would never work together. Well, I kind of took that apart last night. Because what would you call AOC? A socialist? What is Alan Omar? An Islamist? They seem to be working together, don't they? And what are those goals? Work together against Israel. Yeah, that's that's done. Work together against capitalism. That's done. Work together to overturn stability. That's done. I said, this is at the time that the protests that th- these guys were working together on in the Middle East would become contagious. They would cascade. They would sweep the Middle East and it would lead to a caliphate. All of those things happen. But here's what they miss. It would then the last part was it would begin to destabilize Europe and the rest of the world. Has Europe been destabilized? Yes, yes. How has it been destabilized because of the the protests that became contagious, that cascaded, that swept the Middle East, that caused the caliphate? All of those displaced people went someplace and they were all aided by people like George Soros and Hillary Clinton. You've got to take them, Europe. Without the caliphate, without the Middle East on fire, you wouldn't have had the mass migration which would would uh, later than, as we now know, set the entire European continent on fire and lead to things like Brexit. The last part of that is it would then spread to the rest of the world. That brings me to the border. And I have information that is you can look it up yourself. Who is doing the caravan? What is the real goal? Is this spontaneous? No. This is directly from what I said would happen. It is happening and my research department has buttoned it up and I will give you those facts in 1 minute. So the New York Times had a uh, had their welcome to the daily. And I listen to it every day just to see their spin on things. And today it was Venezuela. And they were talking about how people have they met somebody who has cancer and they haven't had treatment in years. And I'm thinking to myself, why not? Why not? I thought socialized medicine was the end all and be all. Now they're talking about how there's no food. Well, lose weight fast. Try socialism. They were talking about the power outages. And the thing that I thought was crazy was they were talking about one city that was known as the coldest city in Venezuela. And that is because everything was air conditioned. Everything was air conditioned. Well, there's no air conditioning anymore. And how the people were celebrating when they get the flicker of lights and they get a couple of hours of air conditioning. That's how little hope they have. And they were talking about how this country that was so wealthy and had all of the luxuries, how all of that is gone now. And I thought, is there anybody, is there anybody that is listening to this besides me that thinks, yep, and that's exactly what's going to happen to America? We will in five years, you go to socialism, in five, six years, we will be going, remember the good old days? And we will be thrilled at not standing in line for something. The world is changing and it's unstable And I want you to be prepared. Try a two-week food kit right now. Two weeks should get you through just about anything that is isn't catastrophic collapse. I want you to go to preparewithglenn.com and get your two-week food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for one person. It is $75. Try to get one for every member of your family. Two weeks of food. That is a game changer in an emergency. This is the final week for this special price. Prepare yourself so there are no surprises in your life. Preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglen.com. We break for 10 seconds. Station ID. Okay, it is really important to understand uh, that... Um, Top down, bottom up, inside out is a movement that must have people in the government coordinating with the people on the ground to turn a country inside out to tear it apart. It can be torn apart by accident, but to turn it inside out, it has to have carefully laid plans so last year, it was almost exactly a year ago that we started talking about the caravans. At the time, I said, these caravans are, are what is coming. Now, this is something that I have not told you, uh, I think, until this week. Uh, I've never said this on the air before. But I believe there is a time that is coming. And Stu will tell you I've talked about this for probably 10 years, but I've never said it on the air. I believe there is a time that is coming that our borders are going to be so overwhelmed and people are going to be coming into our country and it is going to change and become very ugly and people are going to demand their land back. People from uh, uh, Central and South America and Mexico are going to demand their land back and they will kill farmers. And they will take that land now, I hope to God that that never happens. I haven't said that. I've believed that for 10 years plus, but I've not said that because there was no indication that that kind of stuff would happen, except you have to extrapolate so much. But you are now getting real anger. You're getting desperation and a volatile situation to where you're starting to you're, you have people feeding People hatred our open borders policy, the sanctuary cities, the migrant caravans. They are all designed to overload the system almost in a cloward and Piven way. And the president needs to understand and needs to fight this a different way. His instincts are right. He's fired everybody. His instincts are right. But I don't think he has anybody around him that can tell him what the root of the problem is. You will never fix a broken arm with painkillers. You have to fix the root of the problem. And that is what I will show you. It's not coming from Central or South America. The problem (laughs) is coming from Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. Uh, If you want a a VPN, a a VPN is a virtual private network. And what a VPN does is it takes care of uh, people who are following you and they are following you. I mean, the old joke is, no, I'm not paranoid. People are following me. Well, they actually are. They're following all of us. Uh, And they're following our every move, everything we're browsing, sometimes uh, using microphones on our phones and and everything else. I'm sorry, Google, but I don't believe you. Um, VPN will help eliminate most of that stuff. It will also help you if you use public Wi-Fi in a coffee shop. Don't do that. That is that is like licking a public toilet. Do not do that. Um, it, You will uh, open yourself up to hackers that fast unless you have a VPN, a virtual private network. You can get one now at $3.33 a month if you sign up for the year at norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. Protect yourself now with a virtual private network. Norton.com slash VPN. Hey, if you go to YouTube now and subscribe to uh, the Glenn Beck uh, page, uh, you'll be alerted as soon as we release last night's show onto uh, YouTube uh, so you can watch it. I'm trying to go over all of it, but it's a lot easier um, on television with all of the visuals. But I, I showed you just a few minutes ago or talked to you about uh, what George Soros was doing, how they're working to destabilize us. And that this is a continuation of what started in the Middle East. This is the same philosophy and the same people that helped fund that that are funding this now. Um, The Associated Press reported just a few months ago that people without borders had been very, very busy. Now, people without borders is something that uh, we looked at uh, and uh and said who's who's running these caravans because if you remember right it was no these are spontaneous i'm like they're not spontaneous they can't be spontaneous how could they possibly be spontaneous 10,000 people 7,000 people are walking across two countries what about the porta potty situation how about water how about ambulance how, there's nobody getting sick please how is this possible it's not possible You could never do that logistically, ever. You couldn't have 7,000 people walk into a town, any town except maybe New York City, and find shelter, find enough water. Hey, everybody, there's a 7-Eleven up on the next exit. Y'all want to get off? Yeah. Okay, we need 14,000 bottles of water, please. It's not possible. So who was behind it? Well, the caravans were organized by a group called Pueblo Sin Fronteros. Now, when we looked at that, we thought at first that this was some sort of, you know, uh, Mexican or uh, Honduran or something south of the border. But it is not. But when we went the first time and we were looking a year ago. We tracked down the groups associated with them, and we found some of the usual suspects. We found that uh, Pueblo Sin Fronteras had been uh, uh, had been funded up to a million dollars by George Soros, and they had put that money to work. They had been very busy in the last uh, in the last uh, year. This is in an article in December that AP found that they were responsible for four caravans. They said in the AP that uh, Pueblos uh, Fronteros had helped charter the route, arrange bus transportation, negotiate with Mexican officials to provide protection and raised more than forty six thousand dollars for emergency housing and food. They weren't trying to stay under the radar. In fact, uh, they were bragging about it on social media. They said, we're the group that accomplished the largest caravan so far. But who are they? Where do they come from? I want to introduce you to Emma Lo, uh, Lozano. She is currently listed as the executive director for People Without Borders. She is also the head founder of another group based out of Chicago called Centro Sin Fronteras or Center Without Borders. Now, Emma is well known in the Chicago Marxist uh, arena. She is part of a Marxist communist leninist activist family that spans decades her brother rudy lozano helped found the center for autonomous social action or casa this was a marxist leninist group that advocated listen to this in chicago marxist leninists that advocated ethnic mexican class revolution so you have a revolutionary that is trying to get Hispanics to stand up and claim revolution. He had preached about a world without borders. He was known as um, uh, comrade Rudy, a study in uh, UC San Diego described these two brother and sister as this, these latest members, a zealous group of college students, community organizers, and young professionals strove to lead and build a national immigrant rights movement vis-a-vis Casa informed by far left politics, Marxist Leninist thought a communist ideology based on the theories of Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin with an international worldview. They called for collective mobilization. Now, Rudy has a son. Rudy's son is Pepe. This is Emma's nephew. This is another character in the uh, the high echelon community organizer and activist groups in Chicago in 2005 Pepe decided to become a member of the Young Communist League. Then in 2006, he was listed as a member of the Illinois Communist Party. These are not socialists, no socialists. We don't mean what they had in Russia, we mean what they have in Sweden. Well, that's just wrong. They don't have socialism in Sweden. They have big welfare in a capitalist country. These people are not saying socialists. These people are saying communism. Now, four years, uh, four years after the murder of Emma's brother, Rudy, in Chicago, Emma found uh, uh, Emma founded the Center Without Borders to continue his work from Casa. People without borders would soon follow. But this doesn't even bring in the other half of the family. Walter Slim Coleman, that is the guy that married Emma. Walter and Emma are co-pastors at the Lincoln United Memorial Church. Walter is also another who's who in the Chicago Marxist family. In the late nineteen eighties, he helped to elect uh, Helen Schiller. She's uh, she was a city councilwoman in Chicago. She, of course, was a Marxist. She organized the white support arm for the Black Panthers, called the Intercommunal Survival Committee. The 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 Tribune in Chicago called her a career revolutionary. So what you have is this strange Brady bunch. Where Karl Marx is the father and Friedrich Engels is donning the blonde wig and is the mother. But since there's no gender anymore, I guess it works with a family that is engaging in revolutionary class warfare. Now, this is where you might know these people. In 2006, Emma and Walter were pastors at the United Methodist Church in Chicago. Chicago. Coleman, the, fa- the father of the husband, had gone relatively quiet in, as is from his days of as an, an activist, and he found himself back in the center of a storm when he very publicly allowed his church to be a sanctuary for an illegal immigrant named Elvira uh, Arellano, I believe her name was. You remember, Pat is in the studio. Do you remember her? She was the one uh, that did the
1: horror movies late night. right? No. She was. No. She hosted the horror movies. No. She's the one that the Oak Ridge Boys sang
0: about. No. Um, yes. Okay. No. Yeah. No. No. She was the one that was uh, deported for, I think, fraud uh, in 1997. She came back. She just crossed the border again. She came back the same year. She goes back up to Chicago. She's hanging out with all the Marxists. And uh, they find her again in 2002 when she's arrested again for fraud. But instead of facing deportation, they let her go and she goes immediately to this Marxist church, this United Methodist Church. And these two people let her in. And remember, she and her son were were kept In sanctuary, she declared sanctuary. I do remember that. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, oh, these poor people. Mm -hmm. And oh, my gosh, what are we doing? She was a Marxist. Mm -hmm. She was arrested for fraud. She had already been evicted for fraud one other time. And what did she do? She's with these communists in this church. And so as she's in this church, she becomes the face of the sanctuary city movement. She's the reason why that took off. So what was the roots of that? Wasn't compassion. It was communism. So she, while she's in the church, she also founds an organization called Latino families United, which advocates for sanctuary amnesty and a partnership. Oh, with the, the pastor and his wife and their two organizations, and what they decide to do is they need waves of people coming across the border. They need caravans. This it's just like a Cloward-Piven situation yes, it is. for the border, where they're just it trying is. to overwhelm the system. Correct. Correct. Exactly right. They're following that playbook. Exactly right. So they are all working together. Hmm. And the reason why we found them is wow. because of... Coleman's Methodist Church is 2176 West Division Street in Chicago, which is coincidental because that's the same address for the Latino Families United. And it's a coincidence because it's also the address for people without borders. So we know that all of the people that are organizing these caravans are all from the same address, that church in Chicago. Mm -hmm. This is this is not spontaneous. This is not about grassroots. This is not about grassroots. It's not even about socialism. This is about communism. Hmm. This is about communism. This is what the president needs to know. People like Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, uh, the newcomers like Ocasio-Cortez and Elian Omar, they are the top of this movement. And they are they they absolutely know about the Chicago connections. George Soros is funding it through Chicago. Now, they laugh and mock that. I don't care. The, 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 we have all the paperwork. Yeah. We have all of the paperwork. It, it, are you going to listen to the mainstream media or do your own homework? All you have to do this is this all public information. You can find. Look for the address of People Without Borders. Look for the look for the address of this church. Look for where uh, Elvira was hanging out, who she was hanging Mm. out with. We have all of it, all of it. This is not some crazy theory that we should see if we can connect the dots. The dots are all there. We have them on tape knowing Mm. right now who they are on the other side of the border. They're bragging about it. You're not going to solve the border problem if you don't. We would never have won against the Nazis if we didn't call them by name. It wasn't a bunch of Germans that were upset. It was a Nazi ideology that was the poison. This is not a group of people that want to come here for any reason. That's 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 secondary. Those people are being used it is a communist ideology that is trying to break our border. Right. you Not not saying that all the people are, that are coming here are communists. No, they're You're being saying used. That they're, they're being used by they communists who. Yeah, where yeah. where are they? Where are they helping these people in cages? They are intentionally. Putting them in cage, they want them in cages mm-hmm. because they need the press to show the cages. They need the system to break down, and when the system breaks down, it does exactly what we're saying we have to do right now, which is release these people. Just release us. Just release them. Just release them into the into the population. More and more mm-hmm. are coming. It is a human wave, and this is this is what China used against the United States in Korea. It's a human wave theory, and it's what's happening. And if the president wants to solve this, and I do believe he wants to solve it, he just can't figure out why he can't solve it. Nobody will give him any answers because nobody's willing to look at the root of it. And this is the root. This didn't start in Guatemala. This started in the Middle East. This started with the same people in America who were rallying people around the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. It's the same people. And in this case, we know where the head of it is, and it's in Chicago, Illinois. You want to solve it, you have to at least first name the problem. All right, uh, we've got an amazing story for you uh, coming up at the top of next hour. First, let's talk a little bit about X Chair. It's comfortable. It makes talking
1: about socialism comfortable. Mm. That <laughs> it's a great commercial for X Chair, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's true, though. I mean, you, you have uh, everybody has to go to work. This is our work. We're talking about socialism. We're talking about the border crisis. Mm. Um, you might be doing accounting. You might be doing. Uh, something that's actually valuable to society, unlike us. Um, and when you're in, the, when you're doing that, you should at least be comfortable. I mean, we sit in our chairs for what, you know, six hours, seven hours, eight hours a day, maybe mm-hmm. longer. And we don't, we do not focus on it as a priority. At least most people don't. You go get some cheap
0: office chair, and you're uncomfortable all day. Instead, you can get the X chair. Now, the X chair is state of the art. It is the best chair that I've ever had in a studio. Um, And it is really comfortable, whether it's for home, uh, for your office. uh, It doesn't matter if you want to be comfortable in a chair. It's an X chair. Try the X Chair out now for yourself. You get $100 off if you go to xchairbeck.com. xchairbeck.com. If you use that address, you also get a free footrest. $100 off, free footrest. Money back guarantee. Call 844 4X Chair. Use the promo code Beck, eight four 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 4X Chair, or xchairbeck.com. Gosh, I'm so tired of this Trump investigation, stuff. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of hearing about Well, we'll see what the Mueller report says next. Well, you already seen it. Well, well, stop it. The biggest problem, though, is if
1: if if that goes away, what does Adam Schiff do with his life? Jeez. Because he's the only thing he does is Ugh. go on CNN and talk about it. So I don't I feel like he'd be very lonely. If it's the,
0: incredible. <laughs> if well, that's if you're great. on CNN, you're probably probably well, lonely.
1: that's a fair point.
0: Um, uh, we have a special show tomorrow um, that uh, we really want you to watch. Um, and I don't know if we're going to be able to we're going to rehearse it tonight. I don't think we can get it through in, in one episode. Um, We may have to have an extended version of the show tomorrow. Uh, We're going to show you uh, the reason why I think that Joe Biden in the end will not run for president. Now, he's got the press in his back pocket, so maybe he rolls the dice. But this could be real trouble for his kids. What sent Manafort to jail may send Joe Biden's kid to jail. Uh, And we have the evidence. We have all the documentation. We have everything. And it's not just once. It's it's also in China and elsewhere. And we're going to lay out two compelling, compelling cases that I think Joe Biden should consider before he runs the
1: easier way to get homes at cheap prices is just steal a title that's the best way to do it if you just well, kind of go in there you steal the title and then
0: bathrooms, $2. five bathrooms 2.5 million dollars Yeah, but you could have got that you don't need
1: 2.5 million dollars you can do it for like 20 bucks you get a fake notary stamp that thing on there you transfer the title it's really easy to do you can do it in like a, you know a couple hours well, and then you own the home you just borrow against the equity or whatever and you're you're living a high life that's the way okay to do it. all
0: right all right i mean as long as it's legal Oh, I didn't say it was legal. <laughs> home Title Lock will stop people from doing this to your house. Home Title Lock. They're the only people that are standing in the way from stealing your title. It's incredibly easy. I don't think it's 20 bucks. I do think it's $40. Oh, wow. I mean, like, that makes a difference. Uh, get the $100 search for free. Make sure this hasn't happened already. And sign up now. Get protection for your home title with Home Title Lock. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the glenbeck program we've just released uh, last night's show on youtube and i want you to go see it it talks about the border in a really non-political way that we all should be able to come together on and say okay so wait what's really happening on the border why is this happening who is responsible for it I want you to go to YouTube, to the Glenn Beck YouTube page, subscribe and watch this and share it with everybody you know. It was last night's TV show on The Blaze TV. We'll give you some updated stats in just one minute.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: By the way, you can get to uh, that link really easily if you just go to glennbeck.com. It's right there.
0: So let me tell you about 1-800-Flowers. 1-800-Flowers. You want to send... Uh, somebody you love flowers just because when's the last time you've done that smart thing to do man Especially, I mean, it probably was the last time you did it was when you were dating and you had that thrill and, and, and the electricity yeah, and everything right. else. Now you send flowers for birthdays, anniversaries. Oh, I screwed up. Yeah. My understanding is once you get married, you don't have to do anything like this anymore. I thought that was the whole point. Uh, no. 1-800-Flowers.com. <laughs> Vibrant tulips are in full bloom. I, I grew up in Skagit Valley uh, in, in Washington, and it is the tulip capital of the world. I, I think outside of Holland. Uh, and it's beautiful this time of year. So these flowers are now coming into bloom and 1-800-Flowers has them. You can give an exclusive 30 for 30 offer, 30 assorted tulips for $30. They're bright. They're beautiful. To me, it just says spring. Orange, yellow, pink blossoms, assorted tulips from 1-800-Flowers, 30 assorted tulips only for $30. It's an amazing offer. But hurry, this expires on Friday, 30 stunning assorted tulips, $30, 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon, enter the promo code BECK. Order today, save now at 1-800-Flowers.com. Promo code BECK. We have a really great guest on, uh, in just a second, the history of the future. His name is uh, Blake Harris. Uh, It's a story I have not heard before about virtual reality that I think is just a fascinating story. First, let me give you some of the facts uh, here. These are the latest facts on the border to show you, no matter what you're hearing from either side, if anybody is is trying to make this into political, uh, you know, political hay, the border is not about politics. It is about people and it is about uh, a crisis on the border. Yeah, I mean, the border crisis is no longer
1: a right-wing talking point. I mean, this is now mainstream media completely admitting. That, I mean, obviously, the left disagrees on how to deal with this, but it is a crisis. give you how stark this is, there's an increase of border crossings of 375% year-to-year. Mm. Um, now, it is uh, 93,000 was the number of total border crossings last year, which is a 12-year high. They thought it might hit 100,000, just came in below that at 93,000. The crazy part, though, is the, the way this is happening, because there have been times in our past where these numbers have been higher, but it's been almost solely, you know, single males looking for work. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. That's not what, the, what it is anymore. Now it is families, it is unaccompanied minors. Um, but the, to, to just give you the family situation here for a second, if you remember the whole family separation controversy when Jeff Sessions was still in there, um, it, it was rising fast with families crossing the border. And the idea was for to, as a deterrent, to come up with this idea: Hey, don't bring your kids here because if you bring your kids here, you're going to get separated. You can argue with that policy if you want, but that was the th- the thought behind it. So at that point, they were they were panicking because it had risen to eight thousand families per month crossing the border. Eight thousand. It's a big deal. The issue here is when. Sessions implemented the family separation. The increase stopped, and it stuck around eight thousand for as long as they had the policy in there. Then they reversed the policy amid all amidst all the controversy. Obviously sessions eventually gets fired uh that it starts increasing slowly from eight thousand goes up and up and up and up and up. It hit about thirty five thousand four times the issue that sessions oh was trying gosh. to solve oh my God a couple of months ago. The latest numbers out. Uh, have family crossings at over 53,000.
0: were almost seven times the issue of the initial crisis. And the reason, you know, this this separation of families and putting kids in cages, that was happening during Obama. I went down and we were giving aid, if you remember right. It was very unpopular. Oh, yeah. And I gave aid and I said, we have to look at the human situation that is happening here. The The peak... The peak crossing in that crisis with Obama was 60,000 people. We're up, to,
1: we're up 50% over that number. And again, you can disagree or agree on how all these policies surrounding it. But the bottom line is this is a real thing. And, you know, people are really noticing it and trying to figure out what the heck to do about it. So it's you a big won't deal. be
0: able to figure out what to do about it if you don't know what's behind it. Uh, and uh, there are several factors, but there is an organizing committee. Uh, and uh, and we go over that. You can find it at YouTube. Uh, it was our broadcast last night. And and please uh, share that. We've got to solve this problem uh, humanely. And these people are being used. They are absolutely being used. And we'll give you more on that. Just go to glenbeck.com dot com and look for uh, last night's broadcast. It should be right there on the front page. All right, I want to talk to um, uh, Blake Harris. Uh, the uh, he's an author of a book, "The History of the Future: Oculus, Facebook, and the Revolution That Swept Virtual Reality." Um, I, you know, I, I I am so fascinated by virtual reality um, because it is once you really experience great virtual reality, you see how powerful this is going to be. I mean, I. I don't see people really leaving their house very much after virtual reality, quite honestly. But uh, the story of the guy who came up with Oculus is has really been lost. I didn't even know this. And it is a fascinating story. Blake is here with us now. Hi, Blake. How are you?
3: Hey, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm glad that you've tried good virtual reality and seen that it's going to change the future.
0: Oh, my gosh. It is. And I'm not sure. In, in I, I mean, it's going to change it in good ways. And I also see us kind of ending up like uh uh what was that Pixar uh, uh, <laughs> you know movie where they're all big fat on a spaceship and,
3: Oh and uh Wally. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Wally. I mean, I can see us all kind of turning into that uh as well. Uh and we'll get into that here in a second. Can you can you just tell us the story of 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 Oculus uh and and what happened and who first invented that and the story of this kid? Sure. So
3: Um, This all happened back in 2012, so seven years ago, and, uh, you know, for for however much your listeners know about virtual reality now, back then, even less people knew or cared about it, you know, essentially back in 2012, virtual reality was a technological punchline along the lines of, you know, flying cars or jetpacks. Correct. The thing that was like, you know, a sci-fi trope that was maybe going to happen but never did, and it was silly that we ever thought it would. And most people had just given up caring about it, thinking it would happen, except uh, there was a young man out there, a guy named Palmer Lucky, which is a real name, even though it sounds kind of like a fictional character name that's perfect for my book. Um, And so this kid, uh, this 19-year-old kid, Palmer Lucky, he was living in a trailer in Long Beach, California, and uh, he was just obsessed with virtual reality. Um, He once described his trailer to me, and I said, Palmer, that basically sounds like the... uh, the mess ban on breaking bad, except your your trailer has been uh retrofitted to build virtual reality headsets and he said, Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it looked like. <laughs> and so <laughs> um yeah, so 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 imagine this uh little nineteen year old mad scientist building virtual reality headsets and he basically like cracked the code that had eluded so many uh scientists and tech people and sci fi lovers for years and uh, built this virtual reality headset called the Oculus Rift and it and you know, I would say the rest is history, but the rest is a, a book. The rest is a, this company, Oculus, that less than two years later, he sold the Facebook for over $2 billion. And, wow. um, you know, we're still in the early phases of virtual reality and where it's headed. So, but, uh, you know, you really got to admire the young man for having this ambition and this passion for this thing that we all thought was kind of silly back then.
0: Okay, so I, I, uh, I was at Facebook right after they purchased this. Uh, and they were all excited. It's coming! It's coming! It's coming! It's coming! And then you don't hear anything about it, uh, and we're still waiting for real good virtual reality. What the hell happened?
3: <laughs> um, well, the Facebook of it all had a really big impact. So back then, you know, a, a large part of Palmer's motivation was that he is a he is and he was a gamer, and so for him, he wanted to just step through the computer screen and actually enter a game and feel like it was all around him. Mm. And so gaming was the initial focus. Uh, you know, they, they did a Kickstarter campaign. They raised, they thought they were going to try to raise $400,000. They raised $3 million. And you know, their, um, their slogan was stepped into the game. So it was all about gaming. And then once they sold to Facebook, uh, you know, Facebook's interest was not so much the gaming. It was <laughs> insert whatever you want to describe, uh, you know, uh, social engineer, um, or, you know, communication, whatever the case may be. And so that's a big part of why it's uh, stalled out for the past few years. But uh, they actually are releasing a headset called the Oculus Quest, which is going to be the most affordable and most technologically sophisticated headset um, that's going to cost $400, uh, and that comes out next month. And then you have the big question that I keep getting asked by people is, this is by far the best, most affordable headset but Facebook owns it, and I don't trust them. What should I do? Should I buy it? And I don't have a very good answer for
0: that right now. <laughs> it's amazing how uh, how Facebook has just blown their their trust. Can I, let me ask you something off topic, and then I'll get back to the story. Um, I, if, if Mark Zuckerberg keeps saying things like, you know what? We're going to come out with this product. We're going to do this product. And then that doesn't happen. <laughs> Is he even in control of his own company anymore?
3: Uh, I would say that he actually is absolutely in control of his own company. Okay. More than any other CEO. Um, You know, Mark announced uh, about a year and a half ago that he was doing, that he was going to give 99% of his money away to charity, uh, which sounds uh, a lot lot nicer and simpler than it actually is. Not to say that there's a nefarious plot behind it, but basically he still has the majority voting share because of how we structured the stock. And um, I would say that uh, Facebook is more like a, Dictatorship than any other Silicon mm. Valley company mm. that I've ever researched, mm. and uh, I'm sure we'll get to it in terms of why Palmer ended up leaving Facebook uh, against his will and the politics of it all. But that was really all driven by Mark directly.
1: Yeah, because the the politics of it are really interesting. There's a Trump tie to the story, and it's it's a fascinating one. It's one we've heard many times in in other industries. But, and I, I, it's for some reason
0: fascinating I, that it is this yeah. level, and you've never heard it. Uh, yeah. It's it's. It, we'll get to that, yep. Blake. We're going to take a one minute break and then we'll come back. the uh, The name of the book that is laying this out is "The History of the Future" by Blake Harris. Yeah. We'll continue our conversation with him in just a second. First, uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Relief Factor.
1: Is it true, uh, Glenn? Virtual reality could start a rehab revolution to stop I have, pain. I have no idea. What are you they are saying about? that uh, now? They're they're saying virtual activities. Can help pain. I mean, I guess if you do, you could pick up your grandkids virtually, you oh. could pick up, you could go run a race virtually, then you're not going to have any
0: of the pain associated with it. And um, I'll end um, up on gonna... that spaceship in Wally. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> anyway, if, if there are things that you can't do because of pain, uh, I mean, people have been living in pain for a long, 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 long time. And there are people who have just given up and said, I'm just going to die this way. You don't, don't have to uh, live that way, and you also don't have to you know, go and get you know heavy-duty prescription drugs. Relief factor, it is uh, 100% natural. It's designed by doctors to reduce the inflammation in your body, and that's where most of the pain, a lot of our troubles uh, in the body come from inflammation. So if you can reduce that, it's good. <laughs> So Relief Factor does that. It targets inflammation, and 70% of the people who try it order more after more after more every single month because it works. It has worked for me. It's relieffactor.com. Go there now, relieffactor.com, order their three-week quick start, uh, call 800-500-8384, 800 84 or relieffactor.com. We break now for 10 seconds, Station I.D.
1: talking to blake harris the book is the history of the future i would also highly recommend his book console wars i mean he's a great author uh blake is with us and so far blake really what you have here is a great american entrepreneurial story right this kid who is in a trailer he brings uh virtual reality from nothing to a two billion dollar sale at facebook you know the, the technology is is questionable about where it's going at this point with facebook but the exit of the inventor of this is a fascinating story.
3: So he's... Yeah, I mean, to me, the, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with my writing, but, but everything I write, I always try to write with my grandmother in mind. You know, how can I get her interested in this tech story? How yeah. can I get her interested in Sega mm. Nintendo? And so to me, this was always just a story of the American dream in 2012, 2016, 2019, right. um, more so than it was about virtual reality. And um, then the final third of the book becomes this other monstrosity, which I guess might actually be a, you know, a a, a good lens into the perversion of the American dream, just with how politics weighs into, weighs into everything. Um, But, but I also just want to say, you know, you mentioned right before the break that it's sort of astonishing how much Facebook has burned our trust over the past few years. And, and, and and that's true for me, you know, they gave me unprecedented, Almost unlimited access, so I had a pretty high opinion of them, just for my own selfish reasons. But what I came to discover during my research, uh, before my access was eventually cut off because of what I discovered, mm. was just really, uh, really immoral and and, and terrible. Mm. And and then wow. also, I, I should mention that you know I'm a lifelong liberal, uh, not not a fan at all of Trump. So um, mm. you know, as we'll get into now, like. What I found, you know, I I certainly wasn't looking for a sympathetic uh, Trump supporter story, but that's what I found.
0: Wow. Okay, so tell us the story.
3: Um, Sure. So in September of 2016, so this was like uh, six weeks before the presidential election, there was an article that came out uh, about Palmer Luckey, about the inventor of Oculus. And uh, the headline was uh, Facebook billionaire secretly funding Trump's meme machine. And the, uh, insinuation explicitly and implicitly was that, you know, every terrible meme that you've seen online for the past election season, everything misogynistic, anti-Semitic, hateful, et cetera, that Palmer was like running a troll factory and that he was the person behind it all. And, uh, that just wasn't true at all. The truth was that he made a, uh, a slightly less than $10,000 donation to a political organization that was pro-Trump. Um, that was planning to put up billboards across the country. And uh, that, uh, you know, I always kind of wonder how people would have reacted if they just had known the truth, because in Silicon Valley, they might've reacted just as badly. But anyway, <laughs> he, <he's> so unpopular <laughs> in such a short amount of time, um, to the extent that, you know, uh, uh, one of my favorite publications, at least previously, Wired, you, you know, you'd think sort of an even-headed up publication, <laughs> non sensationalistic their, their headline, in the midst of this was that Paul, their, their headlines that Palmer Lucky is the worst. That's it, Palmer Lucky is the worst, um, and and so there, there was this you know PR crisis, and naturally you know Palmer wanted to write a statement to set out what was true and what was not true um, about the media reports and to say that he was a Trump supporter, but that you know this trolling thing and all these other aspects were not true. So he wrote a statement. Um, this happened on a Thursday night. He was not allowed to post it. He was not allowed to say that he was a Trump supporter oh uh, as it went up the flagpole at Facebook to the executive level, which I found you know, initially hard to believe that that was actually the case. But then uh, I certainly believed it was the case because um, I was able to finally obtain the email records of it. And, and mm-hmm. I learned that the reason that it took so long for him to post his eventual statement was that um, Mark Zuckerberg weighed in. Mark Zuckerberg personally drafted the statement that Palmer had to post, and the statement that he drafted said that Palmer would be uh, voting for Gary Johnson. Um, So not Trump. That was too unacceptable to say he was a Trump supporter. And so he had to post a statement saying that he supported Gary Johnson, written by Mark himself. And, uh, you know, he did that in order to save his job. Wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. But he wasn't voting for Gary Johnson.
3: Correct. That is that makes it illegal and unethical that mm-hmm. he would uh, be directed by the head of one of the most powerful organizations to say that he was supporting a politician that he wasn't.
0: Um, wow. That, that was, yeah. So yeah, I couldn't believe it myself. So, so wait a minute. So how is it that a guy with two billion dollars uh, from from Facebook doesn't sue Facebook for this? Um, doesn't well, press charges.
3: The time, well, well, part of it was at the time, um, you know, I, I interviewed over 200 people for the book. And so I, I, I talked to some of the people that he confided to and asked for advice from about, should he post a statement that was illegal and that he didn't agree with? And their response was basically, yes, you know, you could sue Facebook and potentially win, but you wouldn't be at the company anymore. And it would take years. And more than anything, Palmer wanted to remain at the company. You know, it was his baby, it was mm. what he had done with most of his adult life. Granted, it was a short adult life at that time. You know, he was only 24. Um, but but yeah, I mean, he he has a very strong case if he ever wants to pursue legal action. Um, I assume that he signed an NDA of some kind uh, that prevents that when uh, he's eventually Whoa. fired.
0: Hmm.
3: But uh, but yeah, he was eventually fired. He basically um, after he posted that statement he was uh, put on permanent vacation. Uh, Facebook employees were told that Palmer wanted to take time off of work. It was framed as Palmer's decision. Um, mm. One of my favorite and saddest moments is Palmer's trying to, waiting to come back a couple weeks later and he's uh, you know participating in a town hall call by a conference um, or actually not participating because he was not allowed to interact with anyone. Um, and he was listening and he found out during this meeting that he had asked for Six
0: more weeks of vacation. <laughs> um, so okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got to take a break. That's we'll insane. we'll come back. This is this is nuts. Behind the scenes inside of Facebook and Palmer Luckey, the the guy who invented uh, Oculus, and how he was forced out because he was a Trump supporter. The name of the book is History of the Future. Blake Harris. You're listening to Glenn. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. American Financing uh, shares stories with me every week about our audience and and how they're helping people in our audience with their largest investment. Um, I got this note. We went from an initial phone call to closing in about three weeks. Uh, American Financing able to drop our rate a full point, help us pay off our debt, and significantly raise my credit score. We had the best experience with American Financing for selling our house and buying a new one. Everything went so smoothly and so easily. Thank you for telling us about American Financing. American Financing has an A-plus rating with the BBB, over 2,500 Google reviews. They don't charge up front fees, unlike some lenders who charge $500 just to qualify and then and, and will work around your schedule. It's American Financing. These are the company this is the company that I trust. These are the people that will help you get your home refied, get a new home for you, reduce your payments into a consolidation loan. Whatever you need, it takes 10 minutes. American Financing 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440 or americanfinancing.net. Told you about the latest numbers on the border. You want to hear and really understand what's behind
1: what's going on right now. Last night's TV show posted for free at glenbeck.com. Go check it out now.
0: Welcome, welcome to the program. Uh, we're talking to uh, Blake Harris, who's really fascinating. Um, he's written a book called "The History of the Future: Oculus, Facebook, and the Revolution That S- uh, Swept Virtual Reality." Um, but but it is it is. Interesting to me that he is a liberal, doesn't necessarily like Donald Trump, um, and really liked Facebook going in, had unprecedented access, and uh, and then when the inventor of of Oculus, this this entrepreneur, this you know twenty some year old kid, sells to Facebook, and the and the the election heats up, all of a sudden he is in trouble with Facebook and they force him to put out a deal. It says he's not voting for Trump. He's voting libertarian when that wasn't the truth. He plays ball. He's, he's told to go take a vacation. They, they frame it as he's decided to, he's on a a conference call. uh, And he finds out that he had asked for even more vacation. And you know, what's coming at the, the end of this, we, we pick it back up with Blake Harris, who, Blake, I have to tell you, I'm, I I, love people um, who, you know, I may disagree with, uh, sometimes vehemently on on things, but are open-minded enough to go, well, yeah, but this part is true or this part is true, and just let the chips fall where they may. You're, you're a very rare species. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know that.
3: No, thank you. And unfortunately, I've come to realize that or or to believe that that is the case. You know, my book was originally due to HarperCollins. The manuscript was due in September of 2016, the same month this all went down. And I ended up spending an extra two years, um, you know, for no pay working on this thing, because this is a crazy story. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you hadn't really heard about this. And and it sounds kind of bonkers because, you know, every other Facebook scandal to date, mark zuckerberg is not directly involved in he could always sort of throw up his arms and say oh i didn't know or you know that was some other person's fault but he is the one who personally wrote this statement uh which was just bad for him to even put that in email um and and and, you know you're like how how is this not national news how is this not breaking news but then i talked to other journalists and i understand why you know these are the journalists these are journalists i know under the context of they read my first book about Sega Nintendo and loved it so I you know I think they have a somewhat positive opinion of me and I reached out to a lot of them to tell them that they had the story wrong and and they and, and I you know I offered to send them evidence I told them I was the only person who actually interviewed all the participants in this and had all the archival information and they basically said yeah but who cares he's a Trump supporter so maybe Jeez. it's inaccurate." but Jeez. but so what? and wow. and and you know if, if I had told that to my mom and she said that, I still would be kind of bummed that she didn't care about what was true and what was not. But these are journalists. These, these This is their job. And and then when I told them, you know, not only was the reporting about Palmer wrong, but the reason he was fired was for political discrimination. They almost laughed my face to say, yeah, but that's not the kind of discrimination I care about. And <laughs> I, I, Yeah, political discrimination is perhaps uh, probably, you know, less of a, Persistent issue than other forms of discrimination, but when it happens, it's still bad. We can all agree upon that. I thought, um though no, apparently not. So,
0: so you know, you, are you finding yeah. anyone starting to wake up, Blake? Is there anyone? Because I mean, uh, I know on the 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 right, I have found a few people that are, in fact, several. That are are like I, I'm 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 out I'm done with this I'll call balls and strikes and you know my side screws up I don't care uh, I will say that they're screwed up here because this is insane uh, Are you finding any anybody that is starting to open their eyes to what is being created?
3: Um, unfortunately, less than you'd expect. You know, I, I being a liberal and existing in probably some sort of you know liberal bubble election day was a wake-up call for me. You know, I was very upset, but my thought was, okay, you know, the, the voice of half the country, the majority, the um, Electoral College has spoken. I should actually listen to them because I find Trump repugnant, but they don't. And they are my fellow citizens. Let me figure out what I'm missing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: I tried to do that. And, and for, I feel like for the 24 hours after the election, a lot of other liberals were in a similar boat of, you know, we got to talk to the other side. And then they instead decided to just double down and say, no, 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 these people are just stupid or they don't understand that they're voting against their self-interest or whatever. Um, and, and so I, you would have thought that more people would be waking up and just want to call balls and strikes and say, all right, I don't like Trump or I don't agree with his approach on this, but I actually think a strategy here was a good one. And that's not the case. Like, you, you know, you, you mentioned right before you had me on that uh, your show from last night, um, was now on YouTube talking about the border in a non political way. And I found myself almost laughing because on the left, there's no such thing as non political. Um, <laughs> yeah. Specifically in Silicon Valley, you know, there, there was a story last week that two weeks ago, Google had put together an ethics board for artificial intelligence.
0: This is crazy. Um, that
3: sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah, um, really good. Within less than a week later, it was disbanded because there was so much outrage internally at Google uh, because one of the participants was a conservative.
0: Yeah, the Heritage um, Foundation, which is not... The Heritage <laughs> Foundation, you got to be kidding me. That's a radical group to them?
3: Exactly. And and that's really what I found um, in so many ways, and it seeps into so much of what Facebook does um, as a company internally and also externally in the product. It's like this idea that, yeah, all opinions, all political opinions are equal, but then this animals, animals aren't best way. It's Like, yeah, but some are more equal than others. Hmm. And, you know, hmm. every... Uh, conservative perspective is it's not just another opinion. It's not a different way of looking at things. It's not, they might be right. And I might be right. It's just a value judgment. It's, you know, if you do it one by one, it's its all wrong. It's all harmful. It's all, it needs to be fought against, which is kind of crazy. Um, cause you know, does again, it
0: concern I, 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 you I, I, that, that, does it concern you that yeah. the people like this or Zuckerberg, a guy who you went in admiring, uh, the, the the power that they have, and now the 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 growing collusion or or partnering with the United States government that does that keep you up at night?
3: It does. I haven't slept very well, Glenn. I haven't <laughs> slept very well. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah, I mean, I think you see now that people, you know, Facebook is no longer the tech darlings. Uh, you know, maybe connecting the world didn't turn out to be the best idea. Now, now people are starting to look, look into Facebook and, and discover these scandals. A lot of times there's things that happened years ago. Um, and, and, and it's not surprising that these things happen. Um, it's such a sloppy company. Um, and, and they, they, they don't, the, like, I guess one of the first ways that I really realized that what I was uncovering actually fit with, with with the culture there was, you know, one of their top executives who had been there since the beginning uh, he would routinely share stories um, during the election season, like there's no such thing as a good Trump supporter. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's Trump supporters of Facebook, and they learned pretty quickly not to talk about it. In fact, um, you know, the Palmer one is just, is kind of interesting because four months before, uh, you know, he was outed as a Trump supporter as the worst person. Um, you know, part of the issue was that he made his donation uh, for ten thousand dollars anonymously, um, and and four months earlier he had been. At a trump rally and been willing to appear on camera at a a trump rally you know like he seemed to have no issue with being associated with trump but then in between what happened was peter Thiel was revealed to be a trump supporter everyone at facebook not everyone a lot of people at facebook tried to get him fired off the board for that reason alone and not just employees but reed hastings the ceo of netflix who was also a board member um believed that that demonstrated enough bad judgment that peter should not be on the board um and so palmer realized Oh, I should probably not be vocal about my support, <laughs> and and that was probably wise because when it was revealed that he was a Trump supporter, um, he he didn't end up at the company anymore.
1: Hmm. Uh, Blake, two more for me. I, uh, first of all you know, the idea that every there's no such thing as a good Trump supporter was pretty widespread at this time, particularly in the media and and through a lot of these tech companies. Um, And obviously, that's, uh, you know, a a completely unfair thing. However, at that time, there was a lot of really bad stuff on the Internet that was associated with Trump supporters. Was there any evidence that Palmer Lucky participated in anything really bad when it comes to, uh, you know, some of the darkest sides of that election?
3: Absolutely not. And wow. I, I have essentially staked my career on this. So, you know, like I said, I spent an extra two years on this. Uh, it's I, I didn't just willy nilly decide, oh, no, he's a he's a good guy or he didn't do anything wrong. Like I looked very deeply into his online activities um, and, and spent, I think, like uh, 20 hours interviewing the founder of the organization that he donated to uh, because, you know, it was alleged that these were white supremacists. And I didn't want to just have one phone call because, you know, who knows, maybe he was lying to me to try to protect his image hmm. but the, the like I, I've spoken to Palmer almost every day for the past three years I've spent years looking into all this stuff there there is no evidence of any wrongdoing hmm. and I would bet my life that he did not do anything um, like that, that we would consider uh, beyond the pale wow. or or you know uh, unacceptable
1: Wow uh, and the last one Blake is uh, you mentioned it about your career. Do you have one after this book? Because not only are you fighting for a Trump supporter, which is not what, something you're supposed to be doing, uh, but also, you know, you got access to Facebook. You, you were able to get an incredibly detailed account because of that access. And now you've, you know, because you're being honest here, you know, they are no longer going to be fans of yours. People in the future are going to be hesitant to give you access to the next thing.
3: Yep. Uh, that's, that's, pretty much what i expect to happen but um you know w- the only thing i published um while i was sort of undercover at facebook for these past couple of years was was an article um called this is how fake news happens and it was all publicly available information i just i wanted everyone to just be able to see here's what we here's what actually happened and here's how it was reported and here here's how this crazy game of telephone happened to make it even worse um, and the response to that you know, it was like 50% of people saying, Oh, thank you for pointing out that the media messed up here with Palmer. And then 50% of people calling me a Nazi, even though you mm. know, I was happily Bar Mitzvah. Uh, I think that's weird. I would be a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's no. a strange choice. I got, choice. I got sure.
0: the Defender of Israel award from Benjamin Netanyahu, <laughs> and I also am anti Semitic <laughs> somehow or another. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly.
3: And so, um, you know, people call me Nazi, uh, white supremacist, uh, whatever, complicit, blah, blah, blah. And that was the reaction I kind of expected. But instead, what happened is that it's been almost a hundred percent positive. Um, and, then and then there's just been silence from like, you know, my first book won like gaming awards and I was named like a gaming personality of the year. Oh, yeah, and totally as of now, the book's been out for uh, a month or so. And, <laughs> There has been uh, zero coverage of it on any tech or gaming mainstream website. Wow! Wow! We're kidding? Wow. Me. That is incredible. I'm, I'm
1: surprised there's not more pickup too from conservative media on it because it.
0: I mean, here's the thing. Here's that was a- not your goal, but I mean, it is. A, it's a really big story. Here is the thing. This is an amazing book. I already own a. Bo- I'm holding a copy of it, but this I got <laughs> from the. This I got from the publisher. Uh, let me just show this so you know that I'm telling you the truth. I just ordered another copy on Amazon because I want to support you. You you and I probably disagree politically on, I don't know, 90% of stuff. It doesn't matter. We have to have people who are willing to open their eyes and see the truth and let the chips fall where they may. I ask every member of this audience. If you have Kindle, it'll cost you fourteen bucks. How much? I don't know how much it is as a as a hardbound. Uh, but uh, buy this book. You're a. It's a great book. You're going to really enjoy it. It's an um, unbelievable story. But you're also supporting somebody who needs the support. Somebody who doesn't agree with you, but is willing to tell the truth. We have to reward those people yeah. on both sides that are trying to do their best. Blake, I I really admire you, and I I hope that we can meet. I'd love to have you on for a podcast, uh, but I I really admire you, and and congratulations. Thank you, and let us know any way we can help you.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You bet. Um, Take care.
0: You bet. Blake Harris, the history of the future, the history of the future. That is a crazy story. How is that not a bigger deal? And I, you know, on on
1: conservative media, for example, how is that? I mean, the guy invented something that's game changing. Facebook buys it for $2 billion and he gets forced out because he went to a Trump rally and that is not everywhere. How am I not seeing that on I'm Twitter? I've seen this and- about
0: people. I saw four stories today about people harassing people in a Trump hat. Yeah. This is a this guy is way bigger than- This is this is this is gigantic. This is illegal as Blake said. Yeah. This is illegal what they did. And nothing? Nothing? Wow. This book if you are a fan of other shows in on on the right Urge them to have Blake on to tell this story. This is a very important story. This this tells you everything you need to know about Silicon Valley. Listen to this guy. He's not on our side. He's a liberal. But he was disgusted by what he saw. Hmm. And he's telling the truth. We have to help him get the word out. Please buy this book. The history of the future. Uh I'd love to see this uh go up. It's pr- I don't even know where it is on the charts. It's probably nowhere on the charts. Uh let's help him. The History of the Future by Blake Harris. Wow. It's amazing. I don't care if you even read if you don't even read <laughs> by this. Have somebody type in Amazon for you. History of the Future. All right. Let me tell you about uh lifelock.com lifelock detects a wide range of identity threats almost a billion people's personal data has been breached online by, yeah they just had a two billion uh, wasn't the last one two billion people yeah well this one is done by a marketing company that is now just disappeared without a trace oh we're a uh, marketing company mm. they had uh, email addresses from uh, 892 million people it's the biggest most comprehensive email database breach ever Uh, included name gender date of birth employer social media accounts even home addresses were list listed LifeLock will protect you if your name is part of that, and they have a U.S.-based restoration specialist to work to fix any kind of breach. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is identity theft protection for tax season and beyond. 10% off now your first year promo code BECK1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. That was incredible. An absolutely incredible story uh, from the book, The History of the Future. I, I want to spend some more time on this uh, because there's a few stories out there today that reflect this. You want to talk about fascists? It's coming from the left. The fusion of entertainment and
2: enlightenment. This Is the Glenbeck program.
0: Joe Biden always likes to remind people just how much of a regular Joe he is. And for almost 50 years, he's worked hard to craft the Lunch Bucket Joe, I'm just Lunch Bucket Joe persona. He's Mr. Amtrak, commuting every day between Wilmington, Delaware, and Washington, D.C., where he was a senator. They even named the Wilmington Amtrak station after him in 2011. He liked to remind Americans over the years, you know, I came from little wealth and I don't have a lot of wealth. You know, I've, been, I've worked my whole career in government. Really, you shouldn't have really any wealth, really. Even after becoming vice president, except he hasn't been exactly skipping meals and sleeping in his car. Joe Biden... And his family are doing quite well. We'll talk to you about that in one minute.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
0: Hey, the United States Concealed Carry Association wants you to have a free gun. They are here to help train and protect responsible gun owners like you and me. Uh, And they have a little quiz to strike up a conversation between the two. Right now they're giving away 19 free guns. What kind of gun is it? Well, first hint, it's one of the most popular double-action pistols in the world today. Second, it's the gun of choice for law enforcement officers, civilians, and our military, often. Uh, and it, uh, its accuracy makes it ideal for concealed carry. can also be used as a perfect training gun right out of the box. What gun is it? All you have to do to find out is simply text the word BECK, B-E-C-K, to 87222 right now to reveal the identity of the gun and instantly lock in your 19 free chances to win that gun. So do it BECK, B-E-C-K, to 87222. It's quick, it's simple, 100% free. The giveaway ends soon, so text BECK now to 87222 and lock in your 19 chances to win. Joe Biden, Joe Biden is anything but lunch bucket Joe in 1977 before he had even finished his first term as a U.S. senator. His speaking fee was one of the highest in the Senate at twenty two thousand five hundred ninety six dollars every time he spoke. That's in nineteen seventy seven dollars. That was enormous. By 1979, Biden was one of the Senate's top twenty five earners of outside income. Along with twenty two others on that list, he voted against a bill to limit such earnings. Today, he gets between one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars per speech, and he still is engaged in trading. But don't cry for poor old Joe. He's scraping by on that little salary. One thing you could never accuse Joe Biden of is failing to take care of his own. He's a family man. When his second son, Hunter Biden, graduated from Yale Law School in 1996, Hunter was hired as a lobbyist with MBNA, which is a major credit card company based in Delaware. Now, reminder, Joe Biden was a Delaware senator for 36 years before he became vice president. So between 1989 and 2008, MBNA was Joe's largest corporate donor, and they also employed his son. In the Senate, Joe voted against a bill that would require credit card companies to warn consumers of the consequences of making only minimum payments. He also voted four times for a bankruptcy bill supported by the credit card industry that made it harder for financially strained borrowers to get protection from the creditors. Now, I'm sure those votes had nothing to do with his relationship with MBNA as donors to his campaign, just like he insists it had nothing to do with MBNA hiring Hunter twice the first time straight out of law school, and then again from 2001 to 2005 as a, quote, consultant. When Joe Biden ran for president in 2008, Joe paid over $2 million in campaign cash to family members and their businesses. Now, $1.8 million of that went to Joe Slade White & Company for media consulting fees. A top of uh, top executive at the company was Valerie Biden Owens, Joe Biden's sister and longtime campaign manager. Biden's campaign also paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for legal work to a lobbying and law firm in Washington, D.C., co-owned by his son, Hunter. Joe Biden's campaign spokesman insists that Hunter didn't receive a dime of that money because another lawyer at the firm did the actual legal work for the campaign. In 2008, a report for Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington ranked Biden among the five senators for amount of money paid to family members over three election cycles from 2002 to 2006. He was also in the top five for payments to a family business. Now, according to the Federal Election Commission, a campaign can hire family members and their companies if the work is legitimate and charged at market rates. But as you will see in the show tomorrow night on Blaze TV, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that phrase means nothing to Joe Biden tomorrow. An incredible chalkboard of two scenarios that Joe Biden and his son were involved in with two countries, one Ukraine and the other China. They are extremely disturbing. Will anyone in the mainstream media pick it up? Of course not. But what sent uh, uh, Paul Manafort, I believe, rightly to jail is not going to send Hunter Biden or Joe Biden to jail. And in a country that we believe in justice, we believe in fairness. If Paul Manafort went to jail Joe Biden and his son should definitely be going to jail. I want to show you that tomorrow we'll lay it out. I ask that you would subscribe to the Blaze now at blaze TV.com slash glenn uh, promo code G L E N N. Please sign up for the Blaze and be ready for uh, tomorrow's broadcast. I think we're going to do we're going to have to do an, uh, an extended edition because I and we haven't worked it out yet. We're still trying to get it into the show time, but I don't think we can do it. Uh, and do it justice because this is a really, really important, um, important thing. Last last night we um, we did a show on the border, and if you haven't decided to become a member of the Blaze yet, uh, I posted it this morning uh, on the Glenbeck YouTube page. You can find that just going to uh, glenbeck.com, and I would ask that you would subscribe uh, to the page. Uh, but, uh, that was from last night's show and that's on the border. And if you want to fix the border, you have to admit what the problem is and no one is talking about it. And the problem is, and no, this sounds crazy, but watch the show cause it's all right there. The problem is communists that want to overthrow the United States of America And the heart of the caravan is happening in Chicago, Illinois, and it's being funded in part by George Soros. It is a very eye-opening look. You will not look at the border the same way. You can find that show for free. Please send it to all of your friends. Send it to your congresspeople. Send it to your senators. Send it to anybody you trust. Send it to the White House. That is an important look if you want to solve the border and save America. I think we are in the final stretch here. And unless we wake up and stop talking about nonsense, we ain't going to make it. Check it out at glenbeck.com. Uh, I, I want to continue our conversation from last hour uh, on this book by Blake Harris, The History of the Future. Stu, can you think of a story? That is more relevant than this book right now.
1: <laughs> I mean, not only does it go through, if you miss the story, a guy who invented virtual reality. So we're in the middle of the technology revolution, uh, the Oculus Rift. He turns into a Facebook billionaire because Facebook buys his company for $2 billion. But he has to go work for Facebook. Yep. So he goes to work for Facebook. And so that is incredibly relevant. We have an inside view of how Facebook actually treats... Not only their employees, but, you know, people who disagree with them politically with the emails
0: written by the guy who was uh, who wrote what was called the best book of the year by NPR Slate Goodreads and Publishers Weekly. Yep. Not a conservative. This is not a conservative. This is a guy who is a great, great researcher and writer. He's given unprecedented access to everything, all emails, everything. Because they think that he's just going to play along. Well, he doesn't play along. He goes and he's looking for the real truth. And he finds out that in 2016, uh, the guy who invented Oculus, this then 23 year old kid, um, he in a trailer, by the way, an amazing entrepreneurial story. It's a great entrepreneurial story. Yeah, Um, he is. uh, He is
1: a supporter of of Trump. And not like, I mean, not like one of the hateful, you know,
0: evil people you see on the internet or featured. He was sick to death of the Clintons. He didn't like the Clintons. He was like, they are so corrupt. And honestly, garden variety Trump support,
1: too. Yeah. I mean, like, I, he, he, he made one donation to a Trump-affiliated group, a small one, obviously. Anonymously. Well. Yep. And then the other one is he attended one Trump rally. One Trump rally where, where he was, I mean, at least known to have been at which is not, I mean, it's not like this guy was on TV every night on Fox News arguing viscerally for Donald Trump. I mean, he was just a just a citizen. He was just a
0: citizen who didn't like Hillary Clinton and, and liked Donald Trump. So he goes and uh, uh, he makes this anonymous uh, campaign donation. Somebody finds out about it, and they twist this into, he's the guy behind all of the evil memes uh, that the Facebook Oculus guy is actually the guy that is distorting the truth and coming up with all of these evil memes uh, that you're reading online for Donald Trump. you point out, that It was the Daily Beast, I believe, that started that, uh, which had many well, the, problems the, with their reporting yeah, the over Daily the The Daily Beast never gets a story right. <laughs> I mean, I'm shocked if they if – they, well, you know, they'll they'll stumble into something by accident, I'm mm-hmm. sure, someday. Yes. But they are – they have an agenda. I know this. They have an agenda – and they don't listen to the other side. They cherry pick on whatever it is they're trying to say. But it wasn't just them. I mean, it was picked up by places like Wired,
1: who you'd think obviously is a technology magazine yep. website mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, probably has a left lean, but shouldn't be insane to vilify someone from their own circles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to believe that got, the guy who invented the Oculus Rift is probably a huge fan of Wired, right? Mm-hmm. Like probably read it obsessively. Mm-hmm. And instead, they make him into this horrible villain. I think the headline was uh, he was the 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 worst. Okay. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was a headline. <laughs> he was the worst. Um, and so to uh, to do that, and then find out, so he does some Trump support. He gets fired, but not only that, the emails are in the book apparently from Mark Zuckerberg, where he actually rewrites the statement about uh, his Trump support and says fraudulently and uh, that he was voting for Gary Johnson and not Trump because they thought that was the only acceptable sort of solution so again i you know i'm not an expert in hr matters but i mean it does seem to be illegal to force a statement out of one of your employees to say he he supports
0: a political candidate he doesn't right he he did not support uh the candidate Gary Johnson a- Gary Johnson uh he did support and it is Amazing. The, the, the emails are in the book. You can read the exchanges back and forth between Lucky, the inventor, and, and Mark Zuckerberg and what Lucky was trying to say and what Mark Zuckerberg changed it to. Then they fired him. This, is, this story has everything in it, including after the book was written, this guy, he can't get another job. He's a liberal. He's not, he doesn't even agree with us. <laughs> no. He's a liberal. He can't get anybody to pay attention to him. He all he said on the air, the journalist that he's talking to is like, so what? It hurts Trump supporter. Who cares? I mean, that was
1: incredible. It's incredible. To hear him
0: say that. I mean, I don't know if people recognize how big of a deal
1: that is. But to hear the, him this say. This guy is no slouch. Yeah, he's no slouch. He's a big time author. And he's also not a conservative. To say that he's talking to journalists and they are telling him the reason they don't care is because they don't care about political discrimination when it's about Trump. That's not the kind of
0: political discrimination they care about, was the quote he said. I mean, that's incredible. So here is, here's this guy. He spends an extra two years because he knows how much trouble he's in, because this story is not ending the way he thought it was going to be. He thought it was going to be a pro-Oculus and pro-Facebook kind of technology thing. Instead, it takes this nasty turn because of the elections. So he, he's, his book is supposed to come out in 2016. It's now just coming out. And it's coming out, and no one is reporting on it. It's it's the history of the future. It is the history of Oculus mm. and what happened. It has all of the main Silicon Valley players in it. It is a fascinating story. It is currently 32,336th on the bestseller list on Amazon, and no one is covering it. I urge you to buy this book, even if you're not going to read it. I urge you to buy this book. It is a good read, but I urge you to buy it just because we have to reward the people. Otherwise, where is this guy going to go? He said, "I don't know, my phone's dead. Nobody's hiring me. Nobody's. I mean, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. Where is he going to go? And if we don't tell the story, if we don't help him get this story out, he's not a conservative. If we don't rally around the people who are being honest and say, look, I found the truth and it wasn't what I expected. We have no chance of winning. We must embrace the people who embrace the truth no matter where the chips lie. The best thing you can do for the media is not complain about it today, but hold this guy up. Blake Harris. The name of the book is History of the Future. Let's see if we can move the needle and get him out of the thirty two thousand range on uh, on Amazon and get him get him into at least the top 100 would be nice. Uh, Please buy the book and then share it with your friends. It's an amazing story. All right. Sponsor of this half hour is Goldline. China and Russia are buying massive, massive amounts of gold. So what is it that they know that we don't? who 's selling gold right now? Venezuela, you want to lose weight fast? Try socialism Venezuela, their currency is worthless in fact they 're saying it is worth it's it 's worse now than Zimbabwe
1: mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> These poor people, please put yourself on a gold standard. The countries that use gold to hedge their bet in extreme cases uh, to barter for services. Uh, the, even evil ones, China and, uh, and Russia, they know what they're doing. They're getting, they're ahead of the curve. Please do this. Gold line just released their 2019 version of the legal tender bar, 10 individual, one ounce, pure gold bullion, legal tender bars from the Canadian mint. The only one that makes this is gold line. It comes in a credit card size barter case. It slides open for easy access and use. It's big. It's small enough to be in your wallet or your purse. It's preparedness, it's planning, it's smart. Do your own homework, find out if it's right for you. Call Goldline. Find out how easy it is to own gold or silver. 866 Goldline. They're waiting for you right now. 866 Goldline. 1866 Goldline or Goldline.com. We break for ten seconds station ID. Gosh, do I am tired today? We have, I mean, we have just been, this has been a crazy week for us. Yeah, too many things going on at
1: once. I mean, big things. Because, I mean, honestly, uh, the, the Blake Harris interview, I think, would be really interesting. I mean, the story, just as an entrepreneurial story, is really interesting. The fact that it develops into this guy who gets bought out for $2 billion and then fired because he went to a Trump rally. How this story is not everywhere, at the very least, on conservative media. I mean, I have no idea. Sky should be everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, I you know, everywhere. It's a big story because, you know, and the media doesn't love Facebook. Uh, you know, they, yeah, they agree on a lot thing. of things, but they don't know. They don't love right. Facebook.
0: I mean, there's a dog pile. That's that's the, another yeah. one of the points. There's a dog pile on on yeah. Facebook right now and they won't use this. This is damning information. Yeah, this is illegal, illegal. for Mark Zuckerberg to do. That's yeah, and, that's and what Blake at the said. same time, he's saying, "Hey, by the way, I would like more government regulation." I'm telling you, Oof. these tech companies—Google, Facebook, uh, um, and uh, Apple—they are all going to be in bed with the federal government and, and- ask jeeves. I mean, you know Jesus is in Jeeves in bed. Is, he is
1: all uh, over that. The guy basically is a butler at every, you know, at every mansion. That's why you can trust him. Is, well, I don't know. He's, he's involved like, with all those people. but Jeeves is, I think he's a criminal. Uh, we'll right. get into that later, too. Okay. That's another thing that's breaking. But, but aside from all of that stuff, you have last night's program on TV where you expose the networks behind what's happening at the border.
0: Uh, all so documented. Important. This is just that story. Just that story changes the border. It really does. I mean, it's like, it's honestly, this week, it's almost like we are doing the work of 60 Minutes. This is what 60... Remember when you used to watch 60 Minutes, you'd be like, holy cow, what? Yeah. What? And it mattered? The stuff we The stuff we put together yesterday, all documented... Uh, you know it's it's all there it's all public information it's all there we can show you what the goal is of these caravans and who's behind it who's paying for it where they came from it's amazing you can find that for free today at Glenbeck.com. the the, the story tomorrow is also all verifiable mm-hmm. and really good journalists are on this and we're putting it all together and doing a talk board on it tomorrow this is on joe biden yeah.
1: his dealings in ukraine and china specifically but a lot of corruption stuff there which i
0: mean some of that stuff very likely could be criminal as well and during the break i just i just saw a note that i wrote to myself don't forget pendulum show today oh yeah today i'm going to show you what happens if we don't correct this it's an amazing I, I take you back starting with Eisenhower to John F. Kennedy, and I will show you the swing of the pendulum and how out of control it is. Sign and up and watch
1: this stuff. You can watch all these shows. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save ten bucks. Do it today. I mean this this get us support this sort of research if you want it. Before we die because
0: our heads explode. <laughs> Jeez.
2: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
0: All right, got to know, Glenn, I've got good news and bad news. Good news is I'm not sick, but thankfully the amoxicillin has helped my wife and daughter recover from the bug that I never got. I didn't get it because of field of greens. Thank you for endorsing this. I think it boosted my immunity and I don't have time to get sick. Now, the bad news, my this weekend, my son broke his arm after falling off the sofa too bad Field of Greens doesn't have something in it to prevent childhood carelessness. Well, get on it, Brickhouse. Come on. Yeah, sorry, it doesn't work. Uh, Field of Greens made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity. That's what's key about this. It has all of your servings of your fruits and vegetables that you need, but it boosts your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Go to BrickHouseGlenn.com, BrickHouseGlenn.com. Get 15% off your first order when you use my name, G-L-E-N-N. Plus, they offer 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. So you don't have anything to lose. Try it. Call 833-RING-BHN, B-H-N, BrickHouse Nutrition. 833-RING-BHN or BrickHouseGlenn.com. With all these developments, we
1: forgot about the most important one. We're voting on the eerie eight of the creepiest Joe Biden photos at Bidenbracket.com. Get your vote in now.
0: During the State of the Union, uh, Donald Trump introduced uh, a guy named Matthew Charles. He was one of the first people released under the First Step Act. And he he has an amazing story. He was arrested for selling crack cocaine, and he spent 21 years in prison on a 35-year prison sentence. Uh, he was released in 2016. He walks out of prison with nothing, but he changes his life. And uh, he had never had any infractions, any write ups at all in prison. He was a model citizen. He had turned his life over to Christ. He goes out and he starts, you know, immediately getting involved in his community, uh, in his church. Then he finds out. In May of 2018, two years later, that was a mistake. You have to go back and serve the remaining decade back in prison. He doesn't throw a fit. He goes back. He goes back. He was one of the first to released on the new criminal justice reform, uh, and we're thrilled to have him. Uh, Matthew, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Is Matthew there? yes i am hi how are you sir how are you
2: doing
0: sir i'm uh, doing okay I, I, i'm uh i'm great it is it is uh great to talk to you i'm i remember when they sent you back and i read that story and i thought how is this happening first of all the guys turned into a model citizen and how is he dealing with that when when you heard you had to go back and serve 10 years what was that like
2: uh i was disappointed. Uh... A little bit discouraged because at the time I had already served uh, nearly 22 years and had been out for two years. And because the government had appealed it and successfully won, I was being sent back. And the fact that they couldn't take into account any rehabilitation that had taken place within me during that period caused me to very, you know, be very disappointed and discouraged. Now, why
0: couldn't they take into account anything that you had done and anything that you had become
2: uh, because at the time uh there was no actually incentives for rehabilitation. It was just about incapacitation where you take a person out of society for a particular period of time and then when that time is up, whether they are changed or not, you release them. And because I was released based on the changes made to the two thousand ten sentencing guidelines, they had not been made retroactive to me, so therefore I was still required to serve eighty five percent of my sentence.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, Matthew, you got back into prison. And how long were you in prison before this prison justice reform happened?
2: Uh, it took seven months. I went back May 14th and was released January 3rd.
0: And how did you find out about, you know, when you were released? Where were you? What happened?
2: I was in uh Kentucky. At a holding facility, waiting to go back to federal prison to serve that remaining 10 years. And during the time that I was rearrested, I was being held in Kentucky. And at the time, the inmates there uh, were speaking about the First Step Act. And they were talking about the different incentives that it had, as well as the discretion that the judges had in their own courtrooms to go below the mandatory minimums. But I didn't know that it was going to actually affect me until late November, early December, when I seen that one of the uh, provisions was that it made retroactive the changes to the 2010 Sentencing Guideline.
0: Mm. And so did you apply for it? Did somebody else apply?
2: Uh, The Public Defender's Office in Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Michael Holland, and Ms. Mariah Wooten, because they were already appealing my reincarceration, they had already had petitions before the court. So once President Donald Trump signed it uh, December the 21st and it became applicable after his signature, they just went on and filed a motion to the district court since they were already doing filings on my behalf, asking them to release me based on the First Step Act.
0: So, Matthew, it it I mean, I'd like to hear you talk about the I, I was sitting in the chamber um, during the State of the Union first of all how did you get there did the president call you how did you how did you end up at the state of the union
2: it would have been nice to get a call directly from the president yeah. but you know but i had uh actually uh been invited by his staff via email i was invited twice i was invited to the first one but it didn't take place because there was a government shutdown right and the second time they reinvited me and once i went there i was able to go to the white house and meet him mm. prior to going over to Uh, the State of the Union at Congress. So it was an experience, but I had actually got the invite from his staff Mm. on his wife, Melania Trump's behalf.
0: So now you are, you're sitting there. The president um, speaks about you. We all stand up and give you a standing ovation. (laughs) What was that moment like to a guy who had spent 21 years in prison? Nobody was Thinking of you are you're released, then you're pulled back and the system is just grinding you down. What was that moment like to have the president tell your story, have you stand up and every, you know, the, the members of Congress and the Senate and, and the and the White House, the justices, everybody standing up, giving you a round of applause
2: uh it was a a moment that would never be forgotten by me it was like i was in awe uh the only thing as you was expressing uh, those words the the picture that came to my mind was like a cartoon character where uh the roof of the head of the character just takes off and, and shoots toward the sky because it was like unbelievable so for me it just felt like that it was pleasantly overwhelming i was like wow, just completely amazed, never thought in a million years that I would be at the State of the Union, let alone having President Trump to actually speak about that and state welcome home to me.
0: I will I will tell you that uh, what it said to me is I was I was watching you um, uh, stand there in, in the same room with you. As I'm watching that, I thought, this is what the American justice system should be. The guy you know, committed a crime. He, uh, not only paid for it, but he went and he was reformed and he found redemption and he found his way. And he's now welcome back into society with open arms, uh, with, a with, with, with the president of the United States saying, welcome back, welcome back home. Yes, sir. Tell me about the, uh, the pastor. Tell me about your conversion uh, from, you know, guy that belonged in prison to guy that didn't belong in prison.
2: Uh, what it took place was I got arrested in December of 1995 for uh, selling crack cocaine. And once I was arrested and taken to the county jail, I was just there awaiting pretrial and sentencing. But there was a guy there named Jesus Duran who actually. Had got his sentence and was being transported out. So he had left me some hygiene items, you know, soap, deodorant, uh, toothpaste, and he also left me a Bible. And it was a Brown Gideon's King James Bible. Mm. So I didn't even know he had it because we never spoke about religion or anything of that nature. So I accepted the gifts that he gave me and he left, but I started reading the Bible. And through reading the Bible, it started coming. I guess to reality and awaken my spiritual uh, side of me. And I started attending Bible study uh, classes at the county jail and the preacher would come in and do the Bible study and they often left tracks on how to receive salvation. So I took one of the tracks and I continued to read that Bible on my own time, because, you know, in the county jail, you got a lot of time on your hands. So therefore uh, that led me to uh, stating the words that were on the track, then going to the Bible study, uh, classes and openly profess my faith before them as well and that decision that i made in february of 1996 i want to say two months after i was arrested and placed in the county jail changed my life forever but you and st- everything but,
0: you I'm still afraid. had you still had 21 years before you would see the light of day and when you get out it's hard for somebody like you to get a, a job and to acclimate how did you stay the path
2: uh, it was because of my faith in Christ. Once I made that decision to surrender my life and heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ, I had, I would say, all of God's help, as all of God's children knew. So, therefore, with God's help, I was able to make the right decisions. I was able to uh, be guided and protected by God during that time of my incarceration, because at that time, I didn't know I was going to serve 21 and 22 years. I was expected to serve 31 or 32 years because I had a 35-year sentence.
1: Matthew, you know, this is such an amazing uh, story. And, you know, in the middle of kind of this, you know, somewhat divisive time that we're in, and it's hard to find the path forward. Glenn, you've been talking about this forever. There's only really one solution to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the world what it was in 1995. It's a different America, isn't it, Matthew?
2: Oh, yes, it is very much so
0: and we've been looking for solutions we keep going back and forth and the only thing i can think of is that we've got to turn back to god and it seems so trite it seems so simple it it's so simple people will dismiss it but it's the only answer that will save us cuz we we have to return to the the principles of just be decent to each other just be good to each other just let's not lie let's not cheat let's not steal
2: and that's correct because, through, like I said, through the Bible, through being a Christian, and the experience itself, it shows us how to love one another as well as respect one mm-hmm. another. And as you stated, uh, there is a different society in 1995. There's a lot of divisiveness and things of that nature. So I would say that the only thing that really going to bring true harmony and peace is once everyone or someone surrenders themselves over to the Lord.
1: Matthew, you were the beneficiary of a very rare bipartisan moment uh, as you were able to get out because of what Pat, uh, President Trump and Jared Kushner in particular fought very hard for as, as long Van as Jones. Van Jones. I mean, it was it's really an amazing story. Um, it, what do you think the next step? Is there more that needs to be done in this area of criminal justice reform?
2: Oh, yes, sir. There's a lot more that needs to be done because there are still those that are incarcerated that the First Step Act won't even affect because they've already done served the same amount of time I have, or a little bit less than that, but they still have the extensive sentence that they receive under the harsher penal system. Whereas the sentence or the punishment is not equivalent or in proportion to the crime they actually committed. So there's the things that we need to do to be able to reach forth and help those people who have also changed and want a second chance. And then also those that are now coming into uh, getting in trouble and going through the court mm-hmm. system and in the prison we need to see what type of treatments are uh diversion to incarceration. Maybe they may have a mental illness or a drug addiction where they need treatment and uh like, you know medicine for as opposed to just incarcerating them.
0: What do you think the percentages of people that are in the prison system that are just mentally unwell? They're just this is this is a mental illness.
2: I would say anywhere from 30 to 40% of those because oh my at the gosh. time, yeah. And it's sad too to see them there because it's like they're in a completely different world, but yet they're placed in the same, sometimes violent atmosphere like the violent inmates are, or the regular inmates are. And then because they have those mental problems, uh, they really are not able to cope and they either, get, they either get hurt or hurt somebody. And at the time there was no, separate place to put these people they committed a crime they need to pay for the crime they committed so the only thing that was available at the time was giving them a sentence and putting them in prison with everybody else wow
0: wow matthew thank you so much god bless you and uh i'm glad you're out and um as the president said welcome home
2: okay thank you and i appreciate it and uh god bless you as well
0: god bless you matthew charles it's a good way Ooh. to add some lightness to your day. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Relief Factor. Um, relief Factor uh, has gotten me painting again. You see my new painting? I have. You like it? It's a great advertisement. It is. You're looking at the the, uh, the positive side of life. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I painted, uh, it's it's almost like a sandwich board, uh, and it just says, Lose weight fast. Try socialism. Mm-hmm. And it's got a little uh, outline of a very skinny Bony, starving child the Venezuelan diet the Venezuelan diet uh, you know I, I was thinking about putting little asterisks there uh, now available widespread in Venezuela um <laughs> it 's uh, because of relief factor that i 'm able to uh, paint and i 'm able to write uh, my hands uh, become so painful that i I, I just can 't use them. Uh, I used to say they were like meat mitts, uh, but that 's before the pain really started that 's when they were just numb. Relief factor has helped me out so much. Do the things you want to do. Get your life back. Relief factor. It stops all the inflammation uh, that your body is having. That's one of the main causes of pain and also one of the main causes of a lot of other problems reduce inflammation. That's what Relief Factor does. ReliefFactor.com, 100% drug-free. Try it now for three weeks. Try their quick start. Call 800-583-84 or go to ReliefFactor.com. That's ReliefFactor.com, 800-583-84, ReliefFactor.com. Hey, if you missed the show last night, you uh, you really missed something. Please go to glenbeck.com or to the Glenbeck YouTube page. You can watch the whole episode. It's free. We posted it up there because I want you to see it. I want you to spread it to your friends. Uh, and tomorrow, we take on Joe Biden, the truth on Joe Biden. You can vote today in the Erie Eight in the Biden
1: bracket. Biden- <laughs> com is the place to go. By right. the way, he's not handsy. He's not molesting or anything. He's just a tactile politician and the media has not at all adopted this talking point.
0: Listen. You guys know that I'm a tactile politician, right?
3: You know, with everybody, men and women and children, he's very tactile, he's very...
0: Hands-on, tactile learning. And his tactile <laughs> approach to politics, of course he had...
1: Women in the past who he's been tactile with...
3: But he's a tactile guy, that's how he's
1: oh always operated.
3: Gosh. What he calls sort of humanity and the tactile sense of politics... Joe Biden has said in the past, he's a tactile politician. Uh,
1: Joe Biden is a tactile politician...
3: As he called uh, himself a sort of tactile politician... We were told that that was merely tactile politics. That's how the Washington Post described it. He's known among his peers as a tactile politician. And has even described himself as a, quote, tactile
0: politician. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's there with a crook and they're just herding the sheep. Perhaps it is the crook. Find out tomorrow. On the Glenn Beck program, subscribe now to blazetv.com slash Glenn.
2: You're listening to Glenn Beck.